because you didn't have me here, but uh, a lot of people were asking me about my vacation. I was on vacation. I was not just not here at church and, and, and uh, sitting out and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, so we went down to the beach, and the plan was for uh, my family, my sister, and my dad all to come down. Uh, and the last minute, my dad was not able to come because he had uh, another personal matter he was dealing with. So now my dad's not coming, so my sister comes on down. So we're at the beach, and so two days in, I get sunburnt. Anybody, everybody loves sunburnt, right? Okay, I get sunburnt, so now I'm miserable because you know when you ever you ever taking a shower when you get sunburnt, it's like this. You know what I mean? You're doing like the dancing in there, okay, all kinds of stuff. Uh, then the next day, or maybe the day after, my eye starts turning red. I don't know if I have sand in it or what's going on, whatever like that. That's why I'm wearing my glasses, because in case it's an eye infection, you're not supposed to wear your contacts. I've worn, I've worn contacts or glasses since I was uh, uh, late elementary school. Um, and then the whole mask thing came down. I guess it was Wednesday or Thursday, so obviously there are people sending me emails and text messages, phone calls asking me about it, how we're going to navigate that, all that kind of stuff. So with that said, I need a vacation from my vacation, all right? So there you go. So that's how my vacation was, uh, but we're going uh, to have a good time today. Uh, I believe uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 11. Uh, hopefully they put it up here on the screen so you can be following along. Um, if not, hopefully you can look here um, in your Bible, if you're watching online right now, uh, go ahead and hit the share button, uh, and, uh, and, and we'll get, get this out as much as we can to as many people as we can. Here we go. It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, saying, Look, follow me as I am following Christ. Verse 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the, what's that next word? ordinances as I delivered them to you. Okay, so he's saying basically, you know, remember these things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And just so we understand it, that we want where these ordinances are coming from, he goes on in verse 3 and says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so anything from the standpoint of these ordinances that Paul is, is, is encouraging them with and telling them to follow in, it's because he's following God who in turn, so does that make sense, okay? So as, as, as he's following God, we, we are following him and keeping these ordinances. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for, for what you're doing, Lord God. And Lord, I know we are living in very different times. And Lord God, I know how uh, each one of us are navigating these different times in different ways. And so Lord, today, regardless of, of, of all the different things that we have and opinions we have, Lord God, about where we stand today, Lord, I pray that those opinions would not cloud us in any way from hearing your word, from hearing the truth of your word. Because regardless of what's going on in our, in our, in our community, in our state, in our nation, and even in our world, Lord God, that does not in any way negate the fact of who you are. And Lord God, what you're doing, and, and, and Lord, the fact that regardless of, of anything, Lord God, the most important thing that we need to know is that we're a Christian or not. And so, Lord God, I pray that if there's any distraction in any way, shape, or form to anybody in this room, Lord God, I pray that we would just forget that for a little bit. Lord, hopefully for a long time, but Lord God, that we just forget that. And we would just focus in on your word and allow your word to help us, to stretch us, to guide us and direct us so that we can become more like you. And so, Lord God, we love you today. Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In your wonderful name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the ordinances of the church. Okay, That's the title of the message, ordinances of the church. Now, here's what's going to be, here, here's the tendency right now, okay? I've been in church a long time, Buchanan. I know what the ordinances of the church is. I know why we do the things and all that kind of stuff. So why did I even show up today, okay? Well, some of y'all may not know why we do the ordinance of the church and what even an ordinance of the church is. Again, those that are watching online right now, you may be saying to yourself, hey, I, I know the ordinance of the churches. I know of church. I know why we do those things and all that kind of stuff, but I want you to stick around. Because what happens is we do these practices, these ordinances, so many times that sometimes they lose their significance. Sometimes they lose the, the, the understanding of why it's important that we do these things. And I want to encourage you, too, because at, at the very end, and I hate to make it about an illustration, but at the very end, I, I got an illustration that's going to help every one of us understand the importance of the ordinances. So I encourage you, if you're watching online right now, stay with us, hit the share button. We're going to have a good time today, okay? All right, so today we're actually observing two of the ordinances. Now, we were supposed to have a baptism in the first service and the second service. I think they're both coming to the second service now. But we're gonna, we were going to start our service with baptism, and we're going to end our service with communion, okay? So that's what we're going to do. And those are the two ordinances of the church. What is an ordinance? An ordinance is a command to be observed, okay? An ordinance is a command to be observed. So someone comes and says, this is what I want you to do, and it's our responsibility to do it, to observe it, Okay? And so what happens is, like we talked about a few weeks ago, is we can make something like an ordinance feel more like a rule, right? Y'all remember that? Say amen. Okay? Make it more like a rule. And, and, and what happens is we, we sometimes lose the motivation behind it and we lose the significance of it because, look, it's just a rule. It's just something we do in the church. It's just something, and then it becomes this whole thing like it's a, almost like a check mark. Did we have baptism this year or this week or this quarter? Did we have communion one time this month or this year or whatever it may be? But these have significant meaning to a Christian. Whenever we observe baptism or communion, it is a huge, huge deal, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the two ordinances of the church, baptism and communion. So if you're taking notes, number one, where is it commanded? Where is it commanded, okay? So why do we do these things? Why do we do baptism and communion? So let's talk about baptism. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What's that next word? Baptizing. Did they put it up on the screen? Yes. Yes. Okay, go ye therefore and teach all nations doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In verse 20 it says, teaching them to observe, okay, an ordinance and observing all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So from the standpoint of when it comes to the responsibility to reach the world with the gospel, baptism is a part of it. That when we go and we tell someone about Jesus, that in turn we should baptize that person in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. That evangelism is not just about, from the standpoint of sharing Christ with someone, but hopefully them taking them step, their steps in discipleship and following the Lord in baptism. Acts 2, 37 and 38. It says, now when they had heard this, this is what's happened, this is Pentecost, okay? Now when they heard, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so they're in, under Holy Spirit conviction about their sin. Notice what Peter says in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be what? Baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Okay? So there's an understanding that er together there is repentance and then baptism. Okay? Nobody, let me help you with this, nobody in the early church would have had this whole idea that, hey, um, okay, you get saved, but if you want to get baptized, that's okay. If you don't, that's okay too. In the early church, it was, it was an understanding that if you were going to get saved, in turn, you were going to want to get baptized. Like that was just, they kind of went one with another. Now, is baptism required for salvation? Absolutely not. But from the early Christian, to, for you to say, I don't know if I feel like getting baptized or I'm praying about getting baptized, that would be completely foreign to them. They would not even understand what you were talking about. Why would you not, if you, were, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus based on the Great Commission and even at Pentecost, why would you not then in turn get baptized? That it was, a, it, was a, it, was, it was commanded of you get saved, then you get baptized. It was the way it went. That that was the way it was supposed to go. It was commanded that, hey, if you get saved, you get baptized. And so that's how the first ordinance to be observed happened is that we have this baptism that has to happen here. Now communion, now communion is something that goes a lot farther back, okay? Exodus 12, you've been tracking with us on uh, Wednesday night, we've been walking through the book of Exodus, and so communion has, has a connection with the Passover. So Exodus 12, 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it a feast by an what? Ordinance forever, Okay? Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh, the soul shall be cut off from Israel. Verse 16, In the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and the seventh day shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by a what? Ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall the no leaven found in your house. For whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he be stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in your habitation, and your habitation shall you eat unleavened bread. Now, this is the feast of, of, of unleavened bread. This coincides with the fact of the Passover. When you have the Passover lamb, that they had to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Then in Egypt, the last plague, that God would pass over them because of that. And what God said was this was something that was going to become an ordinance. This was going to be something that was going to be a command observed year after year after year after year. And so here's an ordinance that is instituted of this Passover. But then Jesus, in Luke 22, Jesus, Luke 22, took it to another level. And he said in verse 19, and he took bread. This is at the Passover meal with his disciples right before the crucifixion. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after the supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. 
And so from this standpoint, Jesus changes what the Passover really means. Up until that point, before Jesus, the Passover always meant an opportunity to celebrate and to remember that, that, that God had, had released the, the, the nation of Israel from bondage in Egypt and, put, and, and let them go into the promised land. But then Jesus changes it and says, wait a second, what you've been doing in the Passover is observing freedom from Egypt. But now what the Passover would represent, or the communion, or the Lord's Supper right now, would, 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 forever, would, would forever be a part of remembering the fact that not only do you have, that they had freedom from Egypt, but that now that all of us have freedom from sin. Can I get an amen? That this communion thing was showing that, hey, that one thing is about these people being released from, from bondage in Egypt to now Jesus says, wait a second, it's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. When you come together and you have this feast and you take the bread and you take the cup, whenever you do that, you're remaining that you've been freed from your sin. And so it's commanded that from the standpoint of where we are in the Passover, and then Jesus says, hey, it's got, it's got a bigger, bigger significance. And he says, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so it's something that we continue to take forward and we continue to observe as an ordinance because it's commanded here right there, but it has such significant meaning that we are free from our sin. Number two, if you're taking notes. Number two, taking notes. Why is it done? Why is it done? Not only is it commanded, so we just do it because it's commanded, but why is it done? Why is it important? What's the purpose behind it? Now in baptism... Baptism, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, I know I'm giving you all a lot of scripture, okay? Ephesians 4, verse 4, it says, There's one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one, help me with that, one what? Baptism, one God and Father of, uh, of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So what is the, why is it done? Why is baptism done? Here's what's really interesting. You know what baptism does? Baptism unites us. Baptism unites us. Notice what it says. Talking about one God, one Father, one Spirit, one Lord, one baptism. Baptism unites us. Let me help you with this. If it, we're, 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 we're called a church. We're called a church. Now, according to, according to what a, a, a church is, is a church is a group, a gathering of baptized believers. That's a church. Great example, okay? It, it, there are people, when they, I want to join the church, there's two questions I ask that person if they want to join the church. One, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Yes or no, okay? Because salvation comes before church membership. But then my next question is, have you been baptized? Okay? Then, so it's salvation, baptism, and church membership. Because to be a part of the church, you not only have to be a believer, but a baptized believer. Because it what unites us, okay? The fact that we are here together, together as a church, I'm a believer in Christ, and I have been baptized, okay? So baptism unites us. Baptism unites us. And I'll go into a little more detail about that, but that's what one thing from the standpoint of you, when you get baptized, you're proclaiming that you are a part of the church, I'm a part of the church. It unites us, okay? Now let's talk about communion. Let's talk about communion. Why is it done, okay? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 
It says, For I received the Lord, this is Paul again in the same chapter we open with, For I received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for, for you. And we talked about this a little bit. This do in what? Remembrance of me. Okay? After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This is the cup, this cup is the, new, is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in what? Remembrance of me. See, why do we do communion? Communion is an opportunity for us to remember Jesus. More specifically, communion is an opportunity for us to remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. It's to remember that Jesus, Jesus shed his blood for us. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. We do not live in our we do not go throughout our Christian life thinking, man, I'm just so thankful for the sacrifice Christ made for me. We don't do that, do we? And I'm not trying to be ugly about that. I don't walk around thinking about it all, all the time. And so here's what's interesting about the, the, the ordinance, about communion, the fact that we do it, uh, we do it on, a, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis because what, 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 what God knew and what Christ knew is, guess what? We have a tendency to, starts with an F, we have a tendency to what? Forget. We have a tendency to forget, Right? We have a tendency to, to, get, to get so caught up in, 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 in our own lives and our own things and our own issues and our own problems and all that kind of stuff. And so we start walking through the Christian life and we never once think about the fact that Jesus died for our sins on a cross. And so Christ is saying, hey, you've got to continue to do this because if you don't do this, you'll have a tendency to what? Forget. You'll have a tendency to forget. And God doesn't want you to forget. Jesus doesn't want you to forget. Like, here's what's really cool about this. Jesus is like, he wants the cross to be on the forefront of your mind. He doesn't want you to forget that he did sacrifice for you. He didn't just sacrifice for you, he sacrificed instead of you. He wants you to remember that. And some people will say, well, the, you know, beginning. this sounds like a salvation message. This is not a salvation message at all. Because so many times we want to point to, well, the person who's lost needs to know that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Let me help you with this. The person that saves, that is saved, needs to remember that Jesus died for our sin. Can I get an amen? The person that's saved. We've got to remember that. We can't forget that. Let me help you with this. You never need to get over the crucifixion. <laughs> you never need to get over the resurrection. You never need to say, been there, done that, heard that, let's move on. No, we can't move on because that is the most significant event in all of history is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because without that, guess what? We have zero hope. Zero hope. And so we can't get over that. And so what Jesus is saying, like, you've got to do this. And this is what's interesting. God is saying in the Passover from Egypt, don't forget this. Then Jesus says, don't forget what I did for you. And now Paul is saying, don't forget what Jesus has done for you. Like, it always comes back to that what God has done, we cannot forget as an opportunity to remember Jesus. Now, last point, number three. Number three. All right, here we go. What does it symbolize? What does it symbolize? Now, uh, to me, of all the points so far, and I, and I understand that it's important that we know where it's commanded and why it's done, but to me, this is the most important point. 
Because what happens is, is that when we understand that, that, that when we do baptism, when we have communion, that they symbolize something. That is it a picture for us. It helps me from the standpoint of, of understanding how important it truly is. So let's talk about the symbol, the, 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 what it symbolizes. What does baptism and communion symbolize? And then I've got, a, I got a, a neat little illustration to kind of help everybody with this. Baptism. Baptism. Colossians 2.12. It says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein ye are also ye are raised with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. That's Colossians 2.12. Notice this in Romans uh, 6.1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Notice in verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his, what? Death. Verse, th- verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness, in newness of life. See, the importance about what baptism symbolizes, baptism is a, is a picture of the gospel. Buried in baptism, raised up in new life. That as, 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 Jesus went, as Jesus went to the cross, went to the grave, and then rose up again, that's the same exact thing we're doing in baptism. We are symbolizing that. And so from the standpoint of when we look at baptism, baptism is a picture of the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is a picture of the gospel. And what is interesting is that as much as Jesus, what he did, I'm identifying myself with Jesus in the same point of as he was buried to sin and rose up in victory over sin, I am in turn saying that I have been buried in sin and rose up in victory in newness of life. In newness of life. That really the, the baptism, and again, there's nothing special about the water. Let me show you this. Okay, I can touch this water. Okay, there's nothing special about it. By the way, it's still warm. Okay, there you go. But I can touch that water. There's nothing special about the water. What is special is the act that is being done, and the fact that we are we are identifying ourselves as Christ was buried and rose up in victory over sin. We in turn have have experienced that same victory. That we are now dead to sin and raised up in new life. It symbolizes the gospel. Everybody can, and, and here's what I want to help you with, is that so many times we can look and, and we talk to somebody who's lost and say, Jesus died for your sin, Jesus was buried, and then he rose again, and that happened so many thousands of years before or whatever. But what we need to understand is this is a witness for everybody else of what, what the fact that, what, hey, as Christ did that for me, I'm showing I'm identifying myself with him in the same exact way. Okay? So it symbolizes the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as we are doing the same thing. We are, we are dying to sin and being raised up in new life through Jesus. Now let's talk about communion. What does it symbolize? Notice this. We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do... Now somebody's going to say shoe, okay? It does not say shoe. 
Okay? It says show. All right? So if you're reading your Bible and you see S-H-E-W, it is, you can say it's show. All right? It is not shoe. Okay? Ye do, now that we all know what it says, okay? Ye do what? Show the Lord's death till he come. You show the Lord's death till you come. So when we talk about communion, the communion is saying, hey, let let me remind everybody from the standpoint of I'm showing that Christ died for my sin. Here's here's what's really interesting about this. As as, as Paul continues to talk to 1 Corinthians, wherefore, because, hey, it's it's showing the Lord's death till he come. Verse 27, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. See, what's interesting about communion, communion was never to be taken lightly. Never. Never to be taken lightly. And the reason why it wasn't to be taken lightly, because of what it symbolized. It symbolizes, it symbolizes his body that was broken and the blood that was shed. So to, so to, so to take communion in a kind of, a kind of flip it, you know, who cares kind of way would be, would be and especially in this standpoint, what Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, saying, look, don't even take it if you can't take it without a seriousness. Don't even take it if you can't understand the importance of what it is. If you're, just, if you're just going through a religious act, here's what Paul would say. Just don't even touch it. Don't even take communion. Because what you're doing is every time you take communion, you're recognizing the Lord's death. You're showing the Lord's death. Both, and this is what's interesting. Two ordinances of the church, only two ordinances of the church, both baptism and communion are pictures of Christ's sacrifice and his redemption. Both of them. Communion and baptism are both pictures of Christ's sacrifice and redemption. So when we have baptism, when we have communion, it's a really big deal. Can I get an amen? Okay, now, I told you I had a little, I had a little illustration to kind of bring it all home. All right. Now, my goal is not for the illustration to get all the credit. Okay. My goal is for the Word to get all the credit. All right, but I know some of y'all need to, need, to, need to have a little bit more of a, okay, help me out, Buchanan. Let me see this in, in a better way, okay? All right, so on my left hand, okay, on my left hand is this little gold piece of jewelry, okay? Now, tell me what this is on my hand. A wedding band, okay, a wedding ring, okay? All right, so the, the, this is... A, See that, honey, right there, okay? All right, let my wife know, all right? Some of y'all, don't wear your wedding band. Shame on you, okay? Wear your wedding band. But here we go. The wedding ring is a symbol, right? The wedding ring is a symbol. This is a symbol that that I, I am married to, the most beautiful, kind, loving woman on the whole entire planet, okay? I'm sorry some of y'all didn't get that privilege. I did, all right? So I'm married to the most beautiful, kind, loving woman on the whole entire planet. It is a representation, it is a symbol of that I'm married to Katie Jackson. Okay? Now let me help you with this. I do not have to have a ring on to technically be married. Okay? 
All right? I don't technically have to have a ring on to be married. Okay? I, I, I could get married to Katie and never wear a wedding ring. She could get married to me and never wear her wedding, wedding ring. Okay? I, I tell you, I, there's nothing, nobody's, nobody's going to say, hey, you know, when, when, when you do your taxes and they ask if you're single or married, they don't tell you to take a picture of your wedding ring, okay? You just put it on there. Married, single, whatever, okay? I can be technically married without a wedding ring. But this wedding ring, this wedding ring, I want to make, make sure I get this right, okay? Because I want y'all to help you this, okay? All right? So this wedding ring represents the fact that I am married to Katie, but I can be married without it. I don't have to wear it, but the question is, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to wear my wedding ring? Why would I not want to wear my wedding ring? I don't have to have it, right? I don't have to have it. I mean, I could take my wedding ring off right now and throw it against the wall. And my wife would be like, what are you doing? Okay? I, I, could, I could melt this down. This is gold. Come on. Okay? I could, give me, I, could, I, could, I could do a lot of things with this wedding ring. I don't have to wear it. But the question would be, why would I not want to wear it? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. This wedding ring serves two purposes for me. Serves two purposes for me. One, one, it's a reminder of the commitment I've made to Katie. Okay, it's a reminder of the commitment I've made to Katie. When I look at my wedding ring, I remember, I remember, and, and by the way, the, uh, 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 10 days, am I right on my math? 10 days will be 20 years ago that I put this ring on my finger, Okay. And it is a reminder that almost 20 years ago that I said I do to Katie Jackson, Katie Boatwright at the time, okay, all right? But, uh, and and, and I'm, I'm now her husband and she is my wife. So it's a reminder for me. But on the other side of it, it is also a reminder to what? Everybody else. <laughs> everybody else, okay? Let me help you with this. It is a witness to everybody else. And Katie will love this part, okay? It is a witness to everybody else that I belong to Katie and she belongs to me. When, when, when people see this wedding ring, here's what all the ladies should be thinking. He is off limits. Can I get an amen, Katie? There we go, all right? She's wearing her mask right now, but she said it loud and proud, okay? It is a reminder to every single woman out there, I'm sorry, but I am taken. And thankfully, her wedding ring says the same exact thing. That, got, by golly, all the men, Katie is taken. All right? It's a witness. It's a witness to everybody. It's a, it's a reminder for me, but it's a witness to everyone. Now, we talk about baptism. We talk about communion. Can you be a Christian without being baptized or taking communion? Yes. Yes, you can. The question is, why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? Because not getting baptized or taking communion after salvation is like being married but not wearing the ring. 
because here's, what, here's what's interesting. We should want to be identified more with Christ, not less. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that? Okay, A couple reasons. One is there's probably somebody in this room or watching online right now that you've never gotten baptized. You're saved. You, you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have full assurance that you'll be in heaven one day, and you haven't gotten baptized. And basically what you're saying to Jesus is, I don't want to wear the ring. I don't want to wear the ring. And, and, and I'll, I will tell you this, there are, I've heard a million different reasons why somebody does not feel it, they need to get baptized. And all I want to tell you is, it's an ordinance to be followed. It's a command to be observed. Get baptized. <laughs> get baptized. And, and I've, had, I've had some people say, well, you know, uh, the, the, I, I'm, I'm waiting for this, I'm waiting for that, I'm waiting for this. There's no reason to wait. And, 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 and let me help you with this, too, is so many people say, well, you know, I'll, I'll get baptized when so-and-so does this, or so-and-so will be there, or what about this, and what about that, all kinds of stuff. Baptism is an individual decision that you have to make. It, it, it doesn't matter if, 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 you know, well, I want to get baptized when so-and-so and all kinds of stuff. No, you need to get baptized now. Now, we're not doing like spontaneous baptisms, okay? We're not going to be like, hey, we're ready, all right? Some churches do that. We're not ready for that today, okay? But now, if you want to get baptized today, hallelujah, you're going home wet though, all right? Because I don't have extra clothes for you. But, but not, to not be baptized is basically saying, I don't want to be identified with Christ. On the flip side, as a Christian, to not take communion would be saying, I don't want to be identified with Christ. And so when we look at this of, of, of baptism and communion, these are really, really important things that we're doing today. Super important things we do today. But I, what, I don't, what I want you to help you understand is it's not just from the standpoint of, okay, I need to do this because I need to do this, but also from the standpoint, remember the second thing that a wedding ring is? It's a reminder to everybody else. It's a witness to everybody else. So as we, as, we, as we get baptized, it's a witness to other people that we are identifying ourselves with Christ. But as we take communion, it is a witness. It is showing the Lord's death, okay? So both of these things are important. So what's the application before we get to communion, okay? One is, and I know we've set this up and all that kind of stuff, and you're like, okay, well, well I, I, you know what, Buchanan, I need to get baptized. Sign up for baptism. If you've not been baptized, I want you to sign up for baptism. We'll set this thing up two weeks from now, a month from now, whatever we need to do, we'll figure it out. We'll get all y'all together and say, okay, we're going to make it happen. We don't have to wait a quarter. We can just do it, okay? Here's the deal. That thing's on wheels, all right? We can roll it in, and we can roll it out, all right? And so if you've not been baptized, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you've not been baptized, what I want you to do when you leave, I want you to fill out a Connect card and sign up for baptism. And when we get the people that have signed up today, People that have signed up today, we'll have another baptism two weeks from now or three weeks from now, whatever we need to do so that everyone in this room who has put their faith and trust in Jesus can be baptized. On communion, here's the application for communion, okay? Today, I encourage you to take it, but I also encourage you to take it understanding the significance of what you're doing. Don't take it lightly. Understand that's important. Because here's, here's, here's what's really cool about this, and I kind of jumped ahead. But really, from the standpoint of baptism and communion, you can kind of think about it in a wedding sense, okay? Baptism is like a wedding ceremony, okay? Again, you don't have to go to the wedding. You don't, or you don't, you don't have to have a wedding to be married, married okay? The, the, the physical act of getting married, you don't have to have a wedding ceremony at all. 
but yet the baptism is like the wedding ceremony, and really communion is kind of like the wedding anniversary. Okay? It was something that they did, and again, just to answer this question, why don't we do it more often? They only did it one time, a year. Now, I'm not saying we can't do it more often, but they, they did Passover one time a year. But this is something that's done co- continually, every single year, if not more, okay? It's like the wedding anniversary, okay? This is really, really important, guys. Super important about what we're about to do. So at this time, at this time, I'm going to come down here and get mine. Um, you'll find uh, beside your chair, okay? Uh, we had to move, we had to spread out the the, the chairs a little bit um, this week, and so by your chair to the right, I think as you go to the right, the right, you'll find a little cup, a little cup, all right. And so we're going to do this. Um, uh, at the very top, there's kind of two layers to this whole thing, okay? The top is kind of a clear. You pull that back, and that's going to give the wafer, all right? That's going to present the wafer. And go ahead and pull that back, and go ahead and grab the wafer. Go and hold it there. Don't, don't take yet, okay? Just kind of hold it there. Kind of hold it there. the top layer if you open if you open up both layers you've got the you've got the juice get that wafer there We'll look at we'll look at First Corinthians eleven twenty three. Take our communion. Remember, guys, this is showing forth his death. Verse twenty three: For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for a body that was broken. Thank you so much for the fact that you went to a cross and was punished and died for something you didn't do. For something that you didn't deserve. Lord, it wasn't your sin that put you on there. It was mine. It was ours. So Lord, right now, we just want to thank you for the fa- fact that you went to the cross when you didn't have to, when you chose to. Lord, you did it For one reason alone, as John 3.16 says, because you loved us. Lord, thank you so much for the body that was broken for me and for all of us in this room. Go ahead and take the wafer.
This time, go ahead and pull back the, the larger tab. Hold it there once you get there. Click back up, verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when, they had, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you so much. Not only for the body, Lord, but for the blood. Lord, your word says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The Lord God, not only did you have to give your body, but you had to give your blood. Lord God, there's so many times in your word, so much significant is, significance is put on the blood. I know there's, there's, there's people out there that want to take the blood out of, out of the church and want to take the blood out of the, out of the scriptures, but Lord, without the blood, without the blood, there's no hope. the Lord God as you allowed the life your life to be poured out in your blood so that we could have new life in you Lord I'm thankful for that thankful for the blood pray these things in your wonderful name go and take the cup Now, for some of us in here, for some of us in here, that didn't have the same significance. Some of us in here didn't have the significance at all. Whether the baptism or whether the communion, because the reason why it had zero significance is because you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so I think Benny's going to be available after service. Is that right? Who's my lady? Maria, can you do that? Okay. Maria will be available after service for the ladies. Benny will be available after service for the men. If you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, then that's where it starts. Baptism comes after salvation. Communion comes after salvation. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I hope today, and I know we didn't do a physical baptism, hopefully you've seen that before, but with this physical baptism, when you see that physical baptism, when you see that communion being taken, I hope you understand if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is how much God loves you. God loves you so much that he put in place two ordinances of the church that would be in place forever so that always we would not forget as a church the sacrifice and the redemption that is found in Christ alone. We do baptism, we do communion on a regular basis so that we don't forget. But also from the standpoint, again, not just from the standpoint of reminder for us, but also for witness for other people. So if you not put your faith and trust in Jesus, see that Christ loved you so much to institute things in the church so that we would never forget. Let's pray and then we'll be done. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing. We pray all these things in your wonderful, holy, 
holy name. And Lord God, if there's somebody right now on the sound of my voice, whether in the room or online, who has never put their faith and trust in Jesus, Lord God, today is the day. And Lord, I pray that they would find a volunteer, ladies with Maria, men with Benny, to talk about that step. For anyone that's online right now, Lord God, I pray that they would reach out online, message us in some way, tell, put, put on the comment, I believe, or I want to be saved, or I have questions, whatever it may be, Lord God, I pray that they would make that decision today. And Lord God, for the rest of us in the room, Lord, let's be honest. Every single one of us need a reminder. Every single one of us have a tendency to forget. Every single one of us need to understand the importance of the things that we do in this church from the standpoint of baptism and communion. Lord God, there's a lot of other things we do in the church, but really, from the standpoint of what we're commanded to do, we are commanded to have baptism and have communion because they are so important and so significant and have such great symbolism for who, who you are and what you've done. And so, Lord God, I pray this week as we go out that we would, we would have this in the forefront of our minds. That Lord God, you did something great and wonderful for us that we didn't deserve and we could not do on our own. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Uh, don't forget as you leave, uh, if you want to sign up for baptism, do it on a connect card. 